Hey, welcome to our Public Church podcast. We hope this message blesses you today. For more information on Public Church, please see us on www.public.church. Hey, I hope we're doing well. We're entering into a uh, month of breakthrough, believing God to do what only God can do. And um, I don't know about you, but I always get excited around these types of conversations and around these types of atmospheres that we're building in church because it means that God's going to do a miracle. It means that we put the onus back on God. We say, God, we need you to do what we cannot do. And uh, I don't know about you, but I get excited about that. And so this whole month, we're going to be looking at breakthrough. And I remember I talked a little bit about breakthrough last time. And uh, I felt like, man, I wish I could do that one again, but I can't. So I'm doing a new message. And if you're taking notes, I'd love you to write at the very top of your page. Would you write bad call ref? Would you write at the very top of your page? This is a sporting reference, by the way. If you're like, well, what's a ref? Did you misspell that? No, I didn't. That is short. Bad call ref. Would you write that down at the top of your page? We are going to read some scripture together. It's a bit of a, it's a bit. So um, just bear with me. And then we're going to get straight into it. Um, Bible says this in 2 Kings 3, 5, and then it will go around about to 20-ish. We'll have a look. Uh, it says this, um, the king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you join me in battle against him? And so Jehoshaphat replied, well, of course, you and I are as one. My troops are your troops and my horses are your horses. Then Jehoshaphat asked, what route should we take? We will attack them from the wilderness of Edom, Joram replied. The king of Edom and his troops joined them, and all three armies traveled along a roundabout route through the wilderness for seven days. Everybody say seven days. But there was no water for the men or their animals. What should we do? The king of Israel cried out. The Lord has brought the three of us here to let the king of Moab defeat us. But King Jehoshaphat of Judah asked, is there no prophet of the Lord with us? And if there is, we can ask the Lord what to do through him. One of King Joram's officers replied, Elisha, son of Shaphat, is here. He used to be Elijah's personal assistant. So Jehoshaphat said, yes, the Lord speaks through him. So the king of Israel, King Jehoshaphat of Judah, and the king of Edom went to consult with Elisha. Why are you coming to me? Elisha asked the king of Israel. Go to the pagan prophets of your father and mother. But King Joram of Israel asked, no, for it was the Lord who called us three kings here only to be defeated by the king of Moab. Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, I wouldn't even bother with you except for my respect for King Jehoshaphat of Judah. Now bring me someone who can play the harp. And so while the harp was being played, the power of the Lord came upon Elisha and he said, This is what the Lord says, Dig ditch after ditch. This dry valley will be filled with pools of water. You'll see neither wind nor rain, says the Lord, but this valley will be filled with water. You'll have plenty for yourselves and your cattle and other animals, but this is only a simple thing for the Lord, for he will make you victorious over the armies of Moab. You will conquer the best of their towns, even the fortified ones. You'll cut down all their good trees, no bad ones, stop all our springs and ruin all their good land with stones. Can we pray really quickly together, Lord? We just thank you, Lord, as we enter this time. God, we pray that you would speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, would you reveal Jesus to us today, the beauty, the majesty of him. God, we thank you for what you're about to do in this place. And everybody said, amen. amen. Few things get me angry, few things get me frustrated. Um, but I'll tell you one thing that gets me real angry. And don't judge me because I'm, I'm being a little bit transparent, hoping that it's going to help you this afternoon. One, I'll tell you one thing that frustrates me like no other is uh, Division Two men's basketball in which I'm a player. 
Divisions 2 men basketball. Uh, our team is called Vandals. Uh, we wanted to go with Fisher of men, but we just felt that that wasn't like intimidating. And we felt that that was probably strange to other people. So we called ourselves Vandals. And hopefully people would think, man, they're going to really vandalize us. I'm not sure if it really went through or not. But regardless, we, 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 I play Div 2 basketball in Cornubia. A few things upset me more than this. Um, the landscape of Division 2 basketball is interesting. Um, we've got ex-professionals. We've got um, people who think they're professionals, which are definitely not. Um, we've got people who are fully kitted in all the gear. Um, Nike shoes, sweatbands on their head, four sweatbands on their arm. Um, it's an interesting landscape. Literally, you, you don't know what you're going to get every game. I've played against a drunk person before. I've played against somebody who wanted to fight me before. Um, I've played against them all. Um, and and, and I'll ne- I don't know what it is, but I've come to the conclusion that I feel as though Division Two basketball, it, it, the reason why it upsets me so much is not the players. It's the referee. There's one referee, which I will not mention by name, probably because I actually don't know his name. Uh, but I feel as though this referee has been put in my life to test my patience, my kindness, my long-suffering. What's another fruit? Someone hit me. My gentleness. Like I feel as though he is, his sole purpose is to bring out the God colours in me. I've got a rule. I don't let any young people watch me play basketball. And you can judge me. That's fine. I wouldn't say that it's because I'm aggressive. I would say that it's just misguided passion and and I'm trying I've tried and the Lord is still working on me today and like I said I'm going to be transparent for your sake today I'll never forget just recently we played and um here we go every time I see him we oh by the way this is weird we get lumped with him every single week there are about four to five other refs in the division but for some reason he is the referee I'm like, okay, we'll just play with it. And I always try and greet him. You know what I mean? Like, I always try and like get on the right foot and like, hey, mate, how are you? And he seems nice. But I tell you what, when the whistle goes in the mouth, it is a spirit. It is a bad spirit. I'll never forget, I got in the ball and we were winning. Now, this is a big game, just to give you the, the, a little bit more context. This is a big game. This is an important game for us to win. The team that we're versing actually beat us every year to get into the finals. We've got issues, you know what I mean? Like, we've got bad blood. And so this is a game, we want to win this game. I'll never forget, I caught the ball in the low post. I'm going to throw a lot of basketball terms, so bear with me. Caught the ball in the low post, that just means close to the hoop. And I've gone to turn around innocently to then put the ball in the hoop, right? The guy flops. What does a flop mean? It happens a lot in soccer. It doesn't usually happen in basketball. But, but a flop is when someone fakes an injury. You know what I mean? Now you're like soccer, of course. That's what Jordan plays. Anyway, and so like, so like, the flop, right, the flop, the flop takes place, right, and, and here I am, right, like, oh, I'm, it's going to be fine, the ref's not going to call that because, you know, he's just not, no one would do that, like, unless you got a spirit, right, and, and he has the audacity on my way back after I've scored the basket to call an offensive foul, what's that, Isaiah? Basically, what he says is, what he's saying with the whistle is, Isaiah, what you did is you barged the guy out of the way. He fell over and you scored. That's your foul. And on the way back, I'm like, that's a bad call, ref. 
That's a 100% bad call. I feel like I may have said other things. But for the sake of this, I was going to move away. I think I said something along the lines of, if you had eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to discern, you would understand, brother, that that was not a foul. And as I said that, something along those lines, he then calls me a tech foul. You're like, what's a tech foul? Happens a lot in soccer, doesn't happen much in basketball. But a tech foul is when somebody, when the referee deems that, you've, you've crossed the line. Okay, you've talked to me way too much. You've crossed the line, tech foul. They get possession of the, of the hoop. They get to shoot and they get possession. Right, now, some of you are judging me right now. That's fine. Like, you've got your ref in your life, okay? You just calm down. <laughs> but here I am, couldn't believe it. Now, to make things worse, I'm venting right now, actually. This is great. To make things worse, to make things worse, on this particular occasion, there was a score bench and there were two mums. Not one mum, two mums. Right, <laughs> Jake, there were two mums, not just two random mums. These were interconnected mums. This is a mum who has a daughter who's watching dad play on the opposite team, whose mum is right next to them, who are doing the scoring for our game. Now, usually what we do is we want to get one person represented from one team and the other person represented from the other team so there'd be no, like, grey area. There was none of that. They just took over the score bench, and Jake, my friend Jake, he's a great, great youth leader in the church. He usually comes and does the, does the scoring, but he was even intimidated because they had it on lock. They were like, no, we've got it covered. Now, you would think, Isaiah, just calm down. These are two innocent mums volunteering their time. Like, you need to take a chill. Well, I'll tell you where it went a little bit south. After getting these fouls in basketball, if you have more than five fouls, if you have five fouls, sorry, you're out. See you later. Go to the bench. So I had about three fouls. It was a rough game that game. One of them was illegitimate. We already have gone there. And I went up to the score bench and I thought, I may as well just check in with these lovely ladies, like how many fouls I've got. And the ladies looked at me at the same time, the mums. And they said, you've got four fouls, hun. So don't call me hun. And I don't have four fouls. I have three fouls. No, you've got four. Couldn't believe it. Like it was a spiritual battle, 100%. 100% spiritual battle. I was devastated. We ended up winning the game though. Oh my God. When you win the game, like when you win the game against all, all of this contention and you win the game, there is a smile that just takes over. I'll never forget, I walked past, like, I felt like it was a joy, an unexplainable joy, you know, that fruit. <laughs> I was just walking past the bench, and I was, I was like, thank you, ladies, like, thank you so much. You tried to get me out of the game, but we won! This <laughs> is Div 2 basketball. Few things get me upset, but I reckon we've all had bad calls, right? Now, you might not necessarily have had a bad call in a refing basketball game, but I feel like in life, we're constantly trying to navigate between bad calls. Maybe your bank balance at the moment is a bad call. Maybe the relationship strain with you and whoever is a bad call. And I feel like constantly in life, we're trying to navigate between bad calls. How can I see the good in the bad? How can I believe God for breakthrough when it seems empty? How am I supposed to navigate this 
issue in my life. And I feel like most of us have had to do this. Most of us have had to navigate this. And I feel as though we cannot allow bad calls, whether they're from the two mums at the scoring bench or whether it's an issue at work. We cannot let bad calls stop us from living a lifestyle of breakthrough. We cannot let bad calls stop us from believing for breakthrough. Interestingly enough, we, we were speaking at youth on Friday night and I was talking about this young man, Zacchaeus, who literally, he was, well, wasn't young, but he was short, very short, the Bible says, and he climbed the tree. And I love the fact that Zacchaeus didn't allow his stature or his physical limitation to stop him from seeing God. And oftentimes what we need to do is we might need to scramble and find a tree. In other words, we might need to change our view so that we can see God for all that he really is. And I love the fact that this particular story is going to really talk around breakthrough. It's going to help us to unpack what breakthrough actually is. And I want to, I want to say this from the, from the outset, leading on to the rest of this whole month. I want you to understand that God wants breakthrough in your life more than you want it. Do you understand that? Like more than you want breakthrough, God wants to break through. And you might I say, how do you know that? Well, here's an interesting one. God's name, he has many names, but one of his names is Jehovah Baal Perez, which actually stands for God of the breakthrough. And I feel as though we need to understand primarily, I'm not chasing breakthrough, I know breakthrough. His name is Jesus Christ. And we need to understand we're not, we're not working for breakthrough. We're not trying to deserve breakthrough. But I feel like there is a theology of breakthrough. I feel like we have to understand because the one thing that I've noticed about God is that God likes to use us, ordinary people, to partner with Him to see extraordinary things. He likes to use us plus Him to see miracles burst and take fruit. The way that we see breakthrough from our perspective, though, can seem a little bit different. We can think that sometimes breakthrough, you know, it's something that requires force. Or maybe in order to break through, I need to push a little bit harder. I need to pray a little bit more. I need to believe for a little bit more. It seems to me that, that prior to breakthrough is our ability to actually hear God and listen to what He says in the still, small, quiet voice. And I want, to write, I want you to write down three different observations of this passage of Scripture that I feel leads them into seeing the breakthrough of God in this particular situation. Number one, I want you to write down by comfort. I want you to write down by comfort. It says in the Scriptures, what route will we take? We will attack from the wilderness of Edom, Joram replied. Do you know that we can be confident, we can be persuaded, we can even be convinced at times of our own method? And, and this is not necessarily a bad thing, but what I've noticed is the reason that why we're convinced of our methods is because it's a proven method. Like I've done this before, I've done A plus B equals C, and this works for me. Remember David? We talked about David and we talked about breakthrough. And remember David, as skilled as he was as a warrior, he still what? Inquired of the Lord. As skilled as he was as a warrior, he still inquired of the Lord. And oftentimes the issue, the thing that we need to understand and the thing that we need to battle with is sort of unlearning a bit. Like God's got breakthrough. God's got a new thing that he wants to say to you today. And even though we've used something in the past, we, we might need to actually let go of the things that we've done in the past and really embrace God. What are you speaking to me about right now? God, what are you saying right now? Give us today our daily bread, God says. God's, God's got a daily fresh bread for you. But oftentimes the reason why we don't get it is because we don't ask. We don't inquire. 
And so number one, we need, we need to say goodbye to comfort. Proverbs 16, 9 says that man plans his way, but God directs his path. These kings were convinced. This is the way that we're going to attack this army. We're going to go around here, through here, and it's going to give us the best position in order to see God or in order to see us do an incredible thing. But I love the fact that oftentimes we choose the roads that have been traveled by us frequently because it's way more comfortable. And here's that word again, comfort. Have you ever noticed that comfort, I'm going to say something, this might upset some of you, but that's fine. Thanks, bro. I <laughs> love Brian. I want to say something, but, but I, I don't know, it might make you feel a little bit, but I sometimes feel like comfort is the enemy of faith. Comfort is the enemy of faith. What are you believing God for right now? Now, if it's taken you a while, now, please talk to me later about this, but if it's taken you a while to process what I'm believing God for, then we may not be living in faith and we may be living in our own ability. We need to be able to constantly be asking, processing, thinking, God, I need you for this. Because if it takes you a while to think about what I'm needing and believing God for, then maybe it's just because we've been super comfortable or maybe it's because we've got it all together. Maybe you've got a sweet job. Maybe your relationships are intact. Maybe everything is awesome. But could I encourage you to believe God for more? Comfort is the greatest enemy of our faith. Breakthrough, listen to this, and comfort do not exist. We have to learn how to embrace being uncomfortable all the time. And you know what? This is one thing. I remember I said to Renee uh, a while ago, I was talking to Renee, another moment. Uh, I'll, I'll forget, never forget, we, I was bumping in for years and years and years. It would have been four years, bumping in, bumping in, bumping in. Similar to this, we were setting up in a school. Over, over uh, about 280 kids come every single week. We'd be setting up, packing down, setting up, packing down. I'd be the last person, first person in, put the alarm in. Enter, come in. Last person out, 10.30 at night, put the alarm in. Finish, done. And don't forget when God called us here, I said to Renee, the one thing that I feel in my heart is that our church is going to get a building and we're not going to, eat, we're not going to enjoy it. And Renee was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and interestingly enough, as we start to progress to moving here, the church that I was previously a part of gets a building, miracle. They never have to bump in ever again. And I was like, Renee, I've been bumping in for four years. <laughs> First in, last out. I said... I just, it would be nice just to roll in and turn the lights on and off. And don't forget, Renee encouraged me around the fact that God's called me to be a pioneer. And God's called me to be uncomfortable. And don't forget, I was like, after that moment, after having that discussion with her, I was like, you know what? I'm going to embrace being uncomfortable. Because that's where faith lives. That's where faith grows. That's where faith multiplies. If things are too comfortable, it becomes an enemy of faith. And all of a sudden, we don't need God. All of a sudden, when I say, what do you believe in God for? It's like, well, peace. It's sort of generic. No, no, I'm, I'm believing God for so much more, Isaiah. Like, this is awesome where I'm at, but I'm believing God for so much more. We need to start learning to need God in the valleys, right? Because that's where most of us cry out for a savior. It's like, man, emotionally, I'm done. I'm here, I'm down, I'm low. We, we, need a, we, we know that we can need God in those moments. But can I tell you, equally, we need to learn to need God on the mountaintops as well. Like, I need God in the valleys, no doubt.
But God, equally, I need you on the mountaintop. Help me, help me to see beyond. Help me to see what you've called me. Don't let me enjoy here too much. God, because I know you've called me for more. And that means I'm gonna have to come down that mountaintop eventually, go back into a valley. But God, I thank you that you are the God of the mountaintop and the valley. We need to say goodbye to comfort. Another thing that we need, if you write this down, we need the right atmosphere. The scriptures say in this story, after the kings have, have come to the conclusion that they're probably not gonna be able to continue there's no water. This is terrible. Like they thought that if they, remember, they were en route. They thought this was going to be the best route in order for them to get the best position, in order for them to have victory. And they get to the point where they need God now. Funny, hey. Like they, they never inquired at the start. Remember lessons from David's life was that David inquired even as skilled as he was. These guys were just like, nah, sweet, we're gonna go this way. And then they get to the valley or they get to the point, huh, figuratively speaking, they get to the valley where they need God. And I'll never forget, Elisha, they inquired and Elisha was like, man, it's only because of this guy that I'm even gonna do this because your whole genealogy and background is, is a pagan. But I, I'm gonna give a word. But this is what Elisha said. Listen to this. This is for musicians as well. Listen, Elisha says, now bring me a harpist or bring me a musician. In other words, it seems to me that in order for us to see breakthrough in our lives, not only do we need to say goodbye to comfort, but we also need to have the right atmosphere. Funnily enough, it, when the harpist came, it was bring me a harpist. Now, I don't know, you, we don't often see harpists around. The harpist is not on the Youth Alive band. But, but oftentimes the harpist, the harp is the hardest instrument to play and to tune. Literally like the wind could literally just change the tuning and all of a sudden... Elisha's literally said, bring me the best of the best. Play it right now. We are gonna have an atmosphere of worship right here and I'm not going to prophesy until the heart player starts playing. I'm not gonna prophesy. We need to have the right atmosphere in order to believe God for breakthrough. And, and I wanna say this, and this is where I'm putting the, the, the responsibility back on you. We are responsible for our atmosphere. Do you know I know? Like, I, I know, like, when people have, like, that, that atmosphere, you know what I mean? Like, it's feel my wrath. Look at my cloud. I'm angry at you. Like, that's sweet, but the atmosphere is only affecting what God's able to do in your life. That doesn't affect me at all. You are responsible for your atmosphere. Do you understand this? Like, interestingly enough, if we take a little step further, I'll never forget a, a, a friend of mine called me and they were so upset with what someone was doing in their life. And they kept ringing me. And I remember every, it was literally every second day I'd pick up the phone. I'd be like, all right, I'll talk you through it. Let me help you process this. Let me help you this. Let me help you that. And I remember all the time constantly picking up, picking up. I'll never forget the phone rang and I saw it. And I was like, oh God, I need a word because I think I've said the same thing a million times. I love this person dearly, but I need a word from you. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, before I entered the phone call, I felt the Holy Spirit say, tell that person they need to weed their own garden. And I went, that sounds a bit harsh, but okay. So I answered the phone and I was like, you need to, no, I didn't say that. <laughs> but I answered the phone and I was like, hey, um, yeah, talking through it. And I was like, you know what? I'm helping you with the weeding, so to speak, all the things that have happened. But, but I really feel like you need to learn how to weed your own garden. And I want you to see your atmosphere as your garden. You are the gardener. Oh, Isaiah, I thought that the scriptures say that God was the gardener. Yeah, that's the gardener that connects us to the vine. The Bible also says that above all else, we need to protect our what? Hearts. 
That's the type of garden I'm talking about. Because God is the great gardener that connects you to the vine, but we are the gardener of our own souls, right? And so oftentimes what we need to do in order to cultivate an atmosphere, the right atmosphere of breakthrough, is you need to weed your garden. And I'm happy to walk with people. Here, let me show you how to weed it. No, 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 no. And, and I'm a good gardener. Ask Renee. There's a brown tree in our yard that she's talked to me about for the last two weeks. I'm a great gardener. That's, I have to rip that out by the roots. But anyway, I'm getting to that. It's going to look amazing. I'll walk with you and I'll show you how to take the weeds out. Don't grab it by the leaf because there's roots, right? So you got, I'll show you. Yep, yep, yep. Get down a little bit more. Yep. Now pull it out. There. Awesome. That offense. Yep. Great. Done. Throw it away. Yeah, I'll show you. But eventually there comes a point in time where that person needs to what weed their own garden. I've shown you, I've, I've helped you, but now, because why? Because we're responsible of our garden. We're responsible for our atmosphere. And I'll tell you something, as cloudy as you might be towards somebody, let me promise you this, it's affecting you more than them. Promise you. It's like, man, I hope they just see me, like, not say hello to them. It's affecting you more than it's affecting them. Like, you just got to weed that garden. It's not worth it because you know what? We might be blocking the way for God to see breakthrough in our lives. Why? Because we need the right atmosphere. Bring me a heart player, Elisha says. The word of the king, the word to the king would never have come unless there was the right atmosphere. Can you imagine if they were like, nah, we're not bringing you a heart player. Elisha would have been like, sweet, I'm not prophesying. But they brought a heart player and the word of the Lord was set. What atmosphere are we setting in our believing? What atmosphere are we setting in our houses? What atmosphere are we setting in our cars? What atmosphere are we setting with our spouse? What atmosphere are we setting with our, with our kids? The type of atmospheres that we need to rely on is an atmosphere of God's power. Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2 verses 5, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Can you imagine like they're digging ditches in the middle of a valley, right? That's what the Bible says, that they dig ditches in the middle of a valley. Can you imagine the wisdom of men? They would have been like, you are crazy. Like, why are you digging ditches here? Like, you're surely going to die. Like, you're dead. <laughs> you're finished. But not just relying on the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. We, the atmospheres that we need to rely on is, is God's direction in our lives. Scriptures say in Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He'll make your paths straight. Another atmosphere that we need to rely on is God's commitment. In Philippians 1, verse 6, it says, and I'm sure of this, that He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. One of my favorite scriptures in the whole entire Bible is Psalm 119 verse 11. And it says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. When we're believing God for breakthrough, can I encourage you on something? Store God's word up in your heart so that it can be a defense against the lies of the enemy, so that it can be a defense against offense, so that it can be a, a defense against anything that the world might bring to you. I've stored the word up in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
breakthrough comes through abandoning comfort, living by faith, setting the right atmosphere in our lives. And number three, if you're taking notes, I want you to write down, keep digging. And can I get the harpist up, please? There it is. It's not just a run sheet thing. We've got to keep digging. We've got to keep, keep digging. This is what the Lord says in the Scriptures. They've come to this point in time where they've left comfort. They've said bye to comfort. They're going to defeat or battle against Moab. And en route, on the journey, they get to the moment where they need God to break through. Bible says that, well, what are we going to do? We need a miracle. So they say, well, does anybody have a prophet around? Because we know that the prophet brings good news. Has someone got a prophet? Yeah, one of the, one of the king's armies said, yeah, we got a prophet, Elisha. Elisha comes and, and, and he says, I'll only prophesy if you give me a heart player. The right atmosphere gets set and the word of the Lord comes. And the word of the Lord is this. And this is what the Lord says. Dig ditch after ditch. This dry valley will be filled with pools of water. I want you to listen to this because I feel like this is the, this is what I feel like the Lord really emphasized on my heart when I was praying over this. You will see neither wind nor rain, says the Lord, but this valley will be filled with water. Before I see it, before I see it, maybe I just have to start to dig it. But before I see the miracle, before I see the breakthrough, maybe I just need to start to dig. I, I love, I would have been like, um, Elisha, we're in a valley. Context of Scripture says that this valley didn't really receive rain. In fact, at the, this point in time when the Word of the Lord was given, interestingly enough, they were in a drought. Hang on a second. So you're saying that if I dig ditches into this really hard soil because there has been no rain and I prepare a place that God's going to fill it? And, and you said that it's not going to be either by wind or rain, but God's going to fill, fill these ditches? Breakthrough doesn't necessarily happen the way that we think or the way that is logical because we serve a supernatural God. So in the meantime of you waiting for your breakthrough, in the meantime of you waiting for your miracle, what if God's just saying, start digging? Isaiah, how do I start digging? What does that actually look like? Maybe we need to see with the eyes of faith. Maybe we see start digging with our confession. God, I'm thankful right now that you have a promotion in store for me. Even though it's not happening, I'm confessing with my mouth. Thank you, you're digging a ditch. God, I thank you that my young person, my child is gonna fall back in love with you. You're digging a ditch. God, I thank you that my finances are gonna come in order. You're digging a ditch. God, I thank you that I'm not gonna feel abandoned or broken. God, I thank you that I'm not gonna let what my parents did or didn't do to me affect me. You're digging a ditch. And we're digging ditches, we're digging ditches, we're digging ditches. And I love the fact that God has called us even in this moment, in this time, to partner with Him in order to see a miracle. 
Sometimes the reason why we haven't seen breakthrough is we've abandoned the shovel and we've picked up the complaining. We've picked up the comparing. Can I just tell you, forget about all that. Pick up your shovel and start digging. And I reckon that your digging may be just a change of confession. God, I thank you that you have my future in your hands. You know, I haven't, I still haven't got breakthrough with my referee. He's still giving bad calls. Still haven't got there. But I feel as though maybe I have to start changing my confession and maybe I need to start speaking faith in a faithless environment. Because isn't that what breakthrough is? Isn't that what breakthrough is when, when it doesn't seem possible, where, it doesn't, where, where it's hard soil, where it's like, God, we're in a drought, but you said you're going to fill this pool. I'm, I'm just going to start digging. My confession is going to change. My belief system is going to change. Maybe, maybe some of us need to see the, through the eyes of faith. Maybe we need to start seeing rain clouds right now. Maybe you've been digging for a really long time. And maybe you just need to start recognizing and realizing I'm right on the brink of breakthrough. For some of us, breakthrough is coming. For some of us, breakthrough is now. But regardless, God, I'm trusting you that you are the God of breakthrough. Come on, every head bowed, all eyes closed right across this place. My exhortation, my encouragement to you this afternoon is keep praising, keep believing, keep making preparations because God is going to bring the rain of blessing and favor in your life. Don't abandon the shovel. Don't stop the digging. You know, every head bow will us because I want to ask the question, maybe we might get the lights turned down too just for privacy. Maybe you're in this place and you've abandoned the shovel. You've literally let go of the shovel. Maybe you're in this place, you haven't picked up the shovel. Maybe you've realized that just in these short moments that we've had together, my confession is wrong. Maybe God's encouraging you again to believe for that breakthrough that He put on your heart. Wherever you're at right now, I wanna pray a prayer for you. Can we all stand to our feet really quickly? Just, just right where you are. I want you to keep your eyes closed, just focusing on Jesus right now. This is a moment for so many people. It's going to be a defining moment. It's going to be a changing moment. It's going to be a moment where you realize that the God of breakthrough hasn't left you. He hasn't forsaken you. He hasn't abandoned you. In fact, He's just calling you to start digging again. Eyes closed. God, I pray right across this place, Holy Spirit, we're not here just to hang. We're here to hear a word from you. And God, I thank you that there are lives in the balance right now that are desperate for the reign of heaven. And God, I pray and I speak and I prophesy right across this place that there is rain coming. And God, I thank you, God, that as we've been faithful in our digging, God, I pray that you would encourage, pick up the shovel. I pray that you would encourage them to start digging, start believing, start confessing that there is more. God, I pray, God, that there is more for every single person, that this is just the start of an incredible season of breakthrough. Every head bow, all eyes closed. If this message has resonated with you this afternoon, we wanna lay hands on you, we wanna pray for you. 
And we want to believe God with you, not just now, but forever until the breakthrough comes, that God is going to do far above more than we can ask, think or imagine. If that's you, every head bowed, let's close. How quickly see your hand. Come on, come on, let me see your hand. Yes, yes, yes.